well, here I am again. <laughs> um, yes, and it was a text message I got again. And this time my response back, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> but um, seriously, ben, um, ben does need our prayers. Um, he is, he's been sick for several days. Um, Morgan was just saying he's lost eight, 15 pounds. That's not a fun way to lose weight. But um, so keep Ben in your prayers, um, get him healthy and, and back to us. <clears throat> As I was, I got the text Friday night, by the way. So um, uh, I started thinking about, you know, it is New Year's. And so we're going to talk about New Year's resolutions and what, if anything, does the Bible say anything about New Year's resolutions? Um, as I got to looking at this, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I am a really good Googler. I can Google things. And if I turn this paper into my English teacher, she might find a little plagiarism. So I, um, I did find a lot of sermons on New Year's resolutions and on, on New Year's in general. And the advice you're getting is coming from them and from the Bible, um, which is the best place to get advice. Um, so here we go. New Year's resolutions. Every year, many people make a long list of New Year's resolutions. But since most never keep them, I thought we'll look at what the Bible says about making resolutions. The Bible certainly encourages us to examine our lives and resolve to change them if necessary. But not just at the beginning of the year, of course. The Bible really never mentions anything about New Year's resolutions. If so many people make these resolutions, why do so many of the resolutions fail? Sometimes it's simply because the resolutions aren't realistic. Instead, people are only wishful thinking, with no way to make those resolutions actually happen. For example... Someone might resolve to make a million dollars this year. But if you don't pay a, have a job that pays a million dollars, how are you going to earn a million dollars? Other resolutions fail because people aren't willing to make the sacrifices necessary to reach them. But the real problem lies within ourselves, within our own hearts and minds. We'd all like to be better people, but no matter how hard we try, we find ourselves tripped up by our own moral failures and weaknesses. So let's start with what is a resolution? The dictionary defines a resolution as a firm decision to do or to not do something. It connotes intention, determination, aspiration. It is an act of will. It's also based on a moral or personal belief. We can enact our will beyond behind something well, no sorry. We can't enact our will behind something we don't believe in. We resolve to eat better because we believe it's good for us. The same thing with joining a gym or hiring a personal trainer. There's actually a history of making yearly resolutions dating back four thousand years to Babylon. The Romans believed January was a doorway of time to consider, consider the previous year 
and make changes. A new year is seen as a fresh beginning, a time for those resolutions and promises on habits and behaviors we'd like to incorporate into this new start. Today we're going to look at Jeremiah 29, um, 11 through 13, which says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Before we look at those verses, though, let's talk about time. As one year closes and another year begins, we often take the occasion to look back at last year. You know, and sometimes when we look back at last year, it's if it went way too fast. Time goes so fast. We often want to stop it or slow it down, but it flies by. Our daily life is often in a hurry. We have no time. So many things to do. So many things things that occupy us. In the midst of all the temptations of modern life, many of us end up being so occupied with the matters of life that we have no time for more important things, the things of God's kingdom and the needs for our soul. God's word speaks about time. Let's consider um, Ephesians five fifteen and 16. It says, Look therefore carefully how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the, ta- the time because the days are evil. We're going to look at three things about time. Time's precious, time's an opportunity for good, and time must be redeemed. So first thing, time is precious. There are so many reasons why time is precious. Our welfare in this life and the world and in this world depends on how we use our time. If we waste our time in this life, we're not going to we can't expect a good salary or great prosperity. Likewise, if we waste our times in regards to spiritual matters, we can't expect a blessed eternity. Time is precious because it's short. If something is scarce, then the value increases. Time is in short supply. It runs away like water in your hand. Job exclaims that, exclaims that his days are faster than an eagle that pass away as the swift ships. Our life is but a vapor, like rising smoke that vanishes away. Our time here on earth is nothing but a moment in comparison to eternity. Time is so short, and the work which must be done is so great that we have none of it to spare. Time is also precious because when it's past, it can't be recovered. There are many things which we possess that if we lose them, we might be able to regain them. But you can't do that with time. You can regain some possessions that you sold. You might be able to buy it back. You might be able to buy another one just like it. 
like a car or a house or a chair. But once you've spent time, you can never recover it. You can't repeat time. Time that is spent is gone for good. No pain, no money, no effort can regain that time. So even though you may have great regret that you've wasted time, that time won't return. Time and opportunity offered to us, and if we make no use of that time, it's removed. You may have lived 50, 60 years and have wasted time for the well-being of your soul. All that time is gone for good. It's out of reach and out of our possession. So how much time have we wasted? How much time has been spent in idleness? How much time do we have to do God's work? How much opportunity to share the gospel with those around us? Time is a blessing the Lord gives us. The Lord gives us all a set limited time. At the end of our God-given time, we will be called to give an account. We are God's servants. Every servant has to give an account before his master. We will have to give an account of how we use that great talent of time. So it is precious. Secondly, time is an opportunity for good. Ephesians 5.16 speaks of redeeming time. The word used here for redeeming time really means opportunity. Redeeming the time, it means it's time to do good. That means to say we still have that opportunity to do good. The, op- the circumstances of the opportunity is present to do good, and the time is, is the, this is the time for it. The decisive time, the determinative time, that appropriate time. What you do, what you now do, is decisive for the future. This is a unique opportunity you have to seek that which is good. People are very presumptuous. We are told that we have enough time. We fool ourselves that we have enough time. The devil tells young people that you have enough time. But then when we're older, he tells us it's too late and drives you to despair. But the bottom line is that we do not make use of the God-given opportunities. How are things in our life? How much time have we received of the Lord? Have you done with all the opportunities? What have you done with all the opportunities the Lord has given you? Have you wasted your life? Wasted your time? Use this opportunity now as we start a new year to use that time that the Lord gives us. It's only for a little while. Do not, do not postpone. Do not waste precious time. Seek the Lord now and in the present day. Today is the day to share God's promise with others. Today is the day to share Jesus with others. Today is the time of grace. Third thing about time, and it must be redeemed. The redeeming of time means we should use every opportunity the Lord gives us to gain salvation and to do good. The devil is at work robbing us of our time. He gives us little worthless beads in exchange. 
This is what the devil is doing with us. The days are evil is what Ephesians 5.16 says. There are many temptations. Many things that man can fill with life. There are more temptations now than ever before to lure people away from God and to infect our thinking patterns. The devil tries to trick people that as long as they do not commit the gross sins of the world, they are safe, while meantime thinking they are doing good. They are deceived by other temptations. Anything will do so as to keep you away from seeking the Lord. A busy work schedule, entertaining, visiting, meetings, traveling, family. Our time is so easily gone. Are you allowing your precious time to be wasted? There are so many temptations to keep you away from salvation and to keep you from sharing Jesus with others. So remember with time, it is precious. It is opportunity for good. And we must redeem it. So let's move back on to our resolutions again. Some common New Year's resolutions are committing to quit smoking, stop drinking, manage money more wisely, spend more time with, with family. But by far the most common New Year's resolution is to lose weight in conjunction with exercising more and eating more healthily. These are all good goals to set. However, the vast majority of New Year's resolutions, even among Christians, are in relation to physical things. If we put too much emphasis on anything that takes us away from God, then that's not a good thing. You know, many people begin a new year by saying, I'm going to lose weight. Yet when March rolls around and the diet books are set on the shelves and we are 10 pounds heavier. Or they say, I'm going to start exercising. And by May, the stair-stepper and the Nordatrack is in the closet gathering dust. We say we're going to reduce debt. But by June, we are worried about how we're going to pay for the diet books and the exercise machines that we bought on our credit cards. Someone once said, people are so worried about what they eat between Christmas and New Year. But really, they should be worried about what they're eating between New Year and Christmas. Many Christians make New Year's resolutions to pray more, to read the Bible every day, and to attend church regularly. These are fantastic goals. However, these New Year's resolutions fall, fail just as often as the non-spiritual ones, because there is no power in a New Year's resolution. Resolving to stop or start doing a certain activity has no value unless you have the proper motivation for stopping or starting that activity. For example, why do you want to read the Bible every day? Is it to honor God and grow spiritually? Or is it because you've just heard it's a good thing to do? Why do you want to lose weight? Is it to honor God with your body? 
or is it for vanity to honor yourself? Philippians 4.13 tells us, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. John 15.5 declares, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If God is the center of your New Year's resolution, it has a chance for success, depending on your commitment to it. If it is God's will for something to be fulfilled, he will enable you to fulfill it. If a resolution is not God-honoring and or is not in agreement with God's word, we will not receive God's help in fulfilling that resolution. Let's take a look back at Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 again. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me, when you seek me with all your heart. So many times when we're reading the Bible, we can find some verses to fit our situation. And if we look at these verses out of context, they really do meet what we're talking about here with resolutions. But what is the context that you see here? Um, if we read what's gone on before, if you look at the context of the verses through you, though you see the immediate literary context um, pertains to God's promise to bring back the people of Israel from Babylon after 70 years of exile. So with these verses, these, this is when God has brought the people out of, of exile, and he's telling them that I will be there for you. So does this apply to New Year's resolutions? Some Bible uh, scholars... Um, will say no, that it's only in that situation. But other Bible scholars say you have to take and look at the overall themes throughout the Bible. Um, so, so Jeremiah 29 has at least through three overall themes that are consistent throughout the Bible. The first theme, God makes promises that are good and tends to to fulfill them. The second theme is God listens to his people when they pray. And the third theme is God allows his people to find him when they seek him. These verses do communicate words of encouragement that God's people can draw upon for encouragement in their daily lives. Not because the verses offer such encouragement directly, but because they do so in conversation with patterns and themes that course their way throughout the whole Bible. These verses are not going to tell us if we make a resolution that God's going to make sure that it comes true. But these verses are telling us that God does make promises that are good, and he intends to fulfill them. God listens to his people when they pray, and he um, allows his people to find him when they seek him. The Bible doesn't have any specific instruction about New Year's resolutions. 
Christians have their perspectives and convictions on the matter. Many Christians participate in some form. Scripture does include themes that are important. Repentance is preached throughout the whole Bible. Repentance is a type of resolution, a change of direction um, in life based on a belief, a reengagement of our will to follow the person of God in relationship. We repent of our whole existence to come to Christ. But the Bible also talks about repentance of specific deeds as well. The Bible also is full of imperative statements that we might call commands or resolutions. Rejoice in the Lord always. Pray without ceasing. Go and make disciples. These require intentional action. We are told to examine our lives in the faith. Work out our salvation. We can't do that without intent, belief, making a firm decision. James tells us to be confident in our prayers of faith. Resolutions on that level are biblical and important. Christians should be obeying these types of resolutions and commands all throughout the year, not just during New Year's. There are some dangers in making resolutions. First, we're warned against holding too tightly to our plans. Expectations are, are powerful at things, and planning is wisdom. But we have to realize the journey with Christ is full of interruptions and twists and turns. We have to adjust our expectations in this world. God, not, God might be up to something new, new or different than we thought. We can't focus on one thing and not listen to God. Second, the changes we desire, even biblical ones, can only be made with his power and grace. We can't change in our own strength. These resolutions must be in relationship with God and complete reliance upon the power of the Spirit. Thirdly, we talked about motivation. What is the motivation behind our resolutions? Is it God's heart for us in this season? Or is it based on selfish desires? We need God's discernment to know the difference. And fourth, God doesn't work by our calendar or our timetable. Regular reflection and repentance are a part of life in God. We can make life changes at any time in the direction of the Holy Spirit not just the beginning of January. So with all this in mind, what are some Bible-based New Year's resolutions for this coming year? Most will come into, uh, into one of two categories, either a sin we wish to stop or something related to a regular spiritual discipline. So the first thing is to stay connected with a local faith family and faith community, your local church. You know, in the last few years, between lockdowns and uncertainty and chaos, we've seen the power of remaining in community with God's family. The Gallup poll conducted a yearly poll in December of 2020 revealed that American citizens reporting of their own mental health was at an all-time low. 
there's been a sharp increase in anxiety and depression in every group except one. The only group of people that reported a positive increase in their mental health were those that attended regular religious gatherings. That's not the only news, though. At the same time, people have stopped attending church at record numbers, whether in person or online. It shouldn't surprise us that participating in faith community in a faith community has benefits. Scripture tells us where two or more are gathered in his name, Jesus is more evident. It doesn't have to be large groups or a church building, it can be homes or in parks, but resolve to continue meeting together and encouraging one another in faith. Look to our local church. Number two, another another possible resolutions. Remain flexible and open to what God is doing. We get stressed when plans change, and a great deal of our plans went out the window in the last two years. But God is still good among the stress. We've seen people respond with great creativity, learn new things, found new ways of accomplishing goals, sometimes better ways we never would have had otherwise. Make plans loosely, knowing that we aren't promised a perfect adherence to our plan, but that whatever happens, God is at work and will use it for our good and his glory. In this, we can see these plot twists as opportunities. Resolution number three to consider. Slow down. Take time to rest. Our American culture is fast-paced, filled with constant entertainment and activity. But it is God's heart that we take time to rest. It is not when we're running a million miles a minute that we understand he is God, but when we are still. Take the times of solitude and being in small groups as opportunities to invest in relationships that are priorities. First alone with God, then with immediate family and close friends. Resting includes trusting that it isn't all up to us. We rely on God who is living and active and able to do anything. We find our rest in him. Fourth resolution to consider. Speak the life of the gospel into the chaos of the world. More than ever in our generation, in the midst of great uncertainty and fear, The world is searching for something that is real, secure, loving, good. Guess what? That's what we have to give. With all this chaos and uncertainty going on, people are looking for something secure and unshakable. There is no better solution than Jesus and the gospel of the kingdom. Each of us has an influence in our own relationships. Whether family, friends, co-workers, or social media, whether large or small, be a good steward of the influence of that influence by speaking the hope and life of the gospel into those relationships. Speak the truth in love. Encourage others and lift their eyes to God. That's what they need to hear. And resolution number five. Love your neighbors. 
Find ways to reach out to your neighbors. Be intentional about participating in bringing relief to those in need in your community. That is the heart of God and part of preaching the gospel. A few more suggestions. Pray to the Lord for wisdom regarding what resolutions, if any, he would, make, he would, he would have you make. Pray for wisdom as to how to fulfill the goals that God gives you. Rely on God's strength to help you. Find an accountability partner who will help you and encourage you. Don't be discouraged with occasional failures. Instead, allow them to motivate you further. Don't become proud or vain. Give God the glory. These are things that we should be doing all year. So what is the solution? There's only one solution, and that's to turn to God. Confessing our sins to him and seeking his help to live the way we should. Begin the new year by turning to Jesus Christ and inviting him into your life. Asking him to help you become the person he wants you to be. Asking him to give you those opportunities to share Christ with others. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to come to your house to worship you, Lord. We uh, bow down and we just acknowledge that